The Pellicle Podcast is supported by our Patreon subscribers. If you'd like to support our website, podcast and magazine, please visit patreon.com forward slash pellicalemag. I'm Matthew Curtis, and this is the Pellicle Podcast. Welcome to the Pellicle Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Curtis, and over the next hour, we'll be digging into some of our favourite topics. Beer, wine, cider, along with the food and travel that goes hand in hand with these experiences. On today's show, we've got a couple of fascinating interviews lined up for you. First, we head north to Huddersfield, where I meet Duncan Syme and Ola Dabrowska of Kvass a brilliant little wine shop and bar bringing a wide selection of natural wines and low-intervention ciders to the people of West Yorkshire, adding something completely new to the local scene in the process. Following that, I speak to Carol Bone, son of Frank Bone of the eponymously named Belgian brewery and producer of some of the finest Lambic and Gers in the world. Last summer, I was lucky enough to spend an afternoon with Carol and chat about his family brewery's future while we toured the pubs of Hackney and enjoyed a few pints of cask ale. So whatever you're doing, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. You're listening to The Pellicle Podcast. Yeah, so that hot summer we had for three months Mm -hmm. gave... British wine growers are really great harvest, and Bacchus is one of these hybrid new grapes. It's a bit like Sauvignon Blanc character, yeah. very juicy. Yeah. Thank you for being interviewed. Okay. It's Ola. 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 <laughs> um, so my first question is the obvious one, really. Why did you decide to open a natural wine shop and bar in Huddersfield? I go first. You go first. Uh, uh, one of one of the reasons was well, a li- living living here, uh, sort of drawn drawn to this area through through various work projects, mm-hmm. and um, and the, the the main reason was for making it a bit more accessible, really, because we we struggled we struggled in in supermarkets and in other other wine shops to find vegan wines, mm-hmm. so. Are you both vegan yourselves? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we spent a good half hour in supermarkets looking on Barnivore, which is a list, list if alcohol drinks are vegan. So we would be scrolling through, looking like idiots, and we couldn't find anything, could we? No, it was really hard. And other reason is that as a, um, we want to live a lifestyle was pretty... Um, natural natural as, as we can mm-hmm. uh, but I mean using as much natural products we can and uh, good homemade food made of organic veg and not in a snobby way it's just like is a lot of shit around uh, in the food in a drink 
in our household, in our lives, and I really want to reduce that, mm-hmm. um, as to just live um, nice, harmless, harmless. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice, <laughs> harmless life. That's a good. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good way to think about it. So, so you you kind of open the shop to enable your own drinking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. The yeah. thing is, like, uh, the idea of uh, having a, a show people uh, that the the dream can be good, mm-hmm. can be just simple. Like everything was simple. Really inspires me. I'm really into it. And this is how it is. This is just grape juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone did with passion, and I wanna. Like my my uh, reasons also to show people that um, there is something else, um, and it's so simple. Mm-hmm. So was that your gateway into natural wine? It was rather than one glass of something that made you go wow. It was more like you were looking for wines without any added sulfates, sulfites. Or um, icing glass. I think a lot of people don't know yeah. that icing glass yeah, is used in white in egg wine. and milk coming into mm-hmm. going into in gelatin and things like that. And probably many many things we don't even know because they don't have to be listed. Mm-hmm. Um, and obvious reason the the hangover. Obviously, we don't have to drink, right? No, no. <laughs> uh, but as 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 we like um, drink, we rather drink something good. Yeah. And have a rather experience that just a quick boost, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I'm more than happy to just have a one glass or five, mm. uh, but not go crazy. Um, then just you know. It's just experience, it's a good experience when I can sometimes be here, I can go somewhere, especially in travel somewhere to find what I like, uh, or just sit at home and have a really decent glass of wine. Yeah, yeah. Or sit here, in this lovely shop. Yeah, in the shop. <laughs> and um, the name, you told me how to pronounce it properly yesterday, Kvass. Kvass. Uh, which I know as a beer, as a type of beer made originating from Russia and acidic yeah, beer made with right. stale bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it comes from, you said the Polish word for acid. For acid yeah. or sour. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, acid, as we need more acid in, in life, mm. uh, is, um, let me <laughs> explain, uh, um, as, um, I've been very interested about like an, a modern lifestyle and where people getting sick and mm-hmm. things like that. So also one of the aspects will be as uh, that our diet uh, need literally more acids in it and uh, um, to well being and uh, this is a word for uh, digestives as well. Yeah. Uh, for sourdough for 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 good acids as well so i want that name to be uh as a positive not negative no acid not way. negative acid as in as in lsd which is also yeah. slang no that's a of. positive acid <laughs> that's okay that's a, it, it depends you know, on your trip really doesn't it yeah, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Negative acid, you know, like as a chemical. Yeah, yeah. something that dissolves or burns. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we just want it to be short, snappy, polished, different. And di- yeah, different and just relevant. Relevant. Yeah, it, it all <laughs> circulates around 
the edges of, of wine and then sort of mm. brings it brings it back together in the middle if that if that makes sense kind of yeah yeah, yeah. it does <laughs> so yeah someone told me an interesting analogy about acid about how if you um uh, you give a, a baby a lemon they'll lick it and screw their face up mm-hmm. but they will go in for a second taste yeah. because the in- instinct says this it's sour, it's acidic, but it's good for me. Yeah, and it's it's built in. And you're right about the like, you know, how drinking vinegar has become popular because um, mm-hmm. people yeah, are more interested in their, in their in their gut health. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so yeah, that's great. How's the town responded? How long have we been open? Five months. Yeah, Five we, months. we'll be six months next week. Is it? Yeah, the fifteenth, the fifteenth of June. So it was the fifteenth of December. Yeah. So you're, so wow, you open right before Christmas. Just yeah. the, the ten days before Christmas. Um, not, not stressful at all, I'm sure. No, 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 no. And we we tra- we had a break. We had a small break uh, in between. Not not much. We had that three or four days. So mm. um, the town, as Huddersfield, is becoming more receptive. De- yeah. Definitely. Uh, you know, po- really positive. It's a it's a drinking town in a good way. Yeah. Not in an alcoholic uh, tramps mm-hmm. on the corner way. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's a it's a destination. It's a destination like a drinking destination. It's, town. it's a beautiful town as well. Yeah. I, I was um, running around yesterday mm-hmm. and uh, literally I was on a jog. <laughs> but I was just up and down the hills and then you can see way out to the valleys yeah. and all the old mills and. And whatnot, yeah. and it's, it is a beautiful. It's Yorkshire, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah. it's a good, good attraction. I think I'm originally from Blackburn and surrounded by sort of edges of countryside that you had easy access to, and mm. and similar sort of thing. Where with, I come with, from, from yeah, Poland yeah, as from well. Poland. Being surrounded by greenery is is important to us yeah. to, to get a bit of an escape. And it's not too big, not too small. We've no. got access everywhere, mm. and I think people here, people here, are really nice. We had really such nice customers coming yeah. here, and uh, it was a good response. As um, people, people were very curious and excited mm-hmm. as well. Um, that's what I see. We had only, only good response really. Yeah, on, there's a bit out of out of the past six. There's been there's been one occasion, haven't there, where someone's just like, I don't like that, and they didn't want to drink it. Yeah. And that and that was it really, and that was that's that was that was isolated, that was isolated, that was isolated <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, really. that was weird. That was yeah, but then we're not we're not doing it in a we're not doing this in a in a patronising manner or looking down the nose. Yeah. We, we've explained on our website that we're, we're new to this as well. Mm-hmm. So this Pretty experience, new. this hit this shop, is is our is our journey. And it's it's only the start, you know. We're, we're going to do. It's going to involve more art. It's going to involve more music. You know, mm. it's like hanging out in our living room, and that's that's what we wanted it to be. Do you know what the feeling here? I mean, in this little shop, it's cozy, and uh, obviously it's you closed now, and we're the only people in here. But it, it does feel like you can sit at the little counter, and mm. it's got that front room vibe. Yeah. And that's 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 important to us because then we want we want to make people feel comfortable. Yeah. yeah. The, the main gravitating point is to sit there. With yeah. mainly, mainly, <clears throat> mainly with Ola, because I'm not behind the bar as much, but that is a gravitational point. Yeah. And then when she mentioned about a Welsh dresser, well, not a Welsh dresser, or a cabinet, or whatever, I was like, what, really? 
because like I thought it'd be too small and stuff, yeah. and I, you know, I was expecting a high-rise bar or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then this makes sense. People coming to me, people I don't know, they will come, I see them first time, I say, hi, how are you doing? They will sit down with me. And just start a conversation. Yeah. Mm. It's amazing. I've got people sitting on the window and on the bar, but because it's so close, they will start chatting to each other. Yeah. And we really, really like that. That was kind of my aim to bring people together. In in that small space, it's impossible really to be super private. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Saying that, we get, we're the first few months we've had a lot of first date options yeah, here yeah. some people couple getting rather amorous in that window at one time so, um, yeah. but it's great you can you can spot them a mile off and, and I, I, lo- I love it I love when yeah. people come here and uh, there's this awkward conversation and they're, mm-hmm. they're trying to be hushed yeah. because you can hear everything in here not yeah. that we're listening yeah. in but, and then and then but then you can see and then it was it was, it was really cute you know when seeing seeing first dates progress into yeah. it. They've had a couple of glasses <laughs> and they're going out into the night of Huddersfield and they're just like had a quick snog and gone off somewhere. It's yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. They love it. It's really it's really nice. It's really nice. So this is Huddersfield is a is a, a beer town, isn't it? You've yeah. got um the brewery, Magic Rock, yeah. and you've got some of the the most well-known, but you've got the Grove, which is considered by many to be one of the best pubs in the country. Yeah, I was in there yesterday, right. it's one of the most idiosyncratic and wonderful Amazing. drinking spaces. Yeah. It's an uh, institution. Yeah. What is it, I think, what is it, 15, 20 years now there, I think? Yeah, so. and they're trying to sell it, but they, they can't. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's... That, it's got so much character in there and stuff. So yeah. you, they're selling the whole thing, and it's got a it's got a, a three bedroomed house above and stuff. So I think you know maybe they want a bit too much for it, yeah, and, yeah. and you and you've got to live with that legacy. You got to take that legacy on. You can't so change it. Can if you? you rip that out and it became a brew dog bar, which was rumored, um, then that yeah. wouldn't exist. That would suck the soul out of yeah. it, wouldn't it? And people would turn their back on it. Yeah. <clears throat> people would come back, but <clears throat> you couldn't change that, so they might be stuck with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't really say that, should I? But <laughs> they won't listen. Ian won't listen to this from the Grove, but um, they've been in here with the family as well. They, they loved yeah. it. They were really inquisitive about what was going on. Yeah. They were just like, wow. And, and they, you know, they, they're, they're, they're an influence over to places that popped up in Manchester and stuff, people came here and went, I, c- I can do this. Yeah. And th- that's kind of what we did that, but with over the lead side of where we've, with Wayward Wines as well. We mm. went there yeah. and we had, a, we had a, a night out, a day out really. Day and we were day. sat, you know, and Wayward's like three quarters the size of this as well. And they make it work amazingly. Yeah. Chapel Allerton. Okay. So about three miles out. So they're Leeds. Not, not Leeds City Centre. So there's yeah. nothing. There's nothing in. There's nothing in Leeds City Centre. There's um. There friends, is, friends of Ham do a little bit. Yeah, a little there. bit. And then there was Ham of Friends, but they yeah. were more. Fo- but that's unfortunately folded, hasn't it? But that was more focused on wine. Yeah. And cheese side of things. Um, and there is um. <laughs> one more, where we went last time. In Leeds. Mm-hmm. I'm really bad with names. Reliance. Reliance. Oh, the Reliance. So the yeah. Reliance, so Wayward was born from the Reliance. So Steve <coughs> used yeah. to manage and curate the wine list for Reliance. So the Reliance is kind of like a pub, a restaurant, and mm-hmm. a wine bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But it works. It's <coughs> yeah. It works. Yeah. I like yeah. it. But the, yeah, those guys, big influence. And not that, you know, 
No, that we took, we didn't fully copy what they were doing, but we thought we we can do this, and yeah. you know, mm-hmm. no, nothing. <clears throat> there's not many original ideas around anymore, but <laughs> you, it's our interpretation of it, you know, yeah. with 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 a different influence, of it, I think. So yeah, yeah it's good. You you are seeing more of these spaces emerge. I mean, where I live in London, we're very lucky because we've got places like P Franco. 40 Maltby Street, which is, you know, an institution, and then new places like Peg and, and Newcomer. But then coming out, I was in Liverpool and someone said, oh, you've got to go to Bunch. And I'm like, what? And I, you know, I don't know if you've been to Bunch in Liverpool, but it's no, another... No, we've gone into he's been, he's been here because uh, he, uh, he um, d- imports the Yeti and the coconut wines. So, yeah, yeah. So he, we did a tasting with him here. So And they're on a similar level of us. I think they've been up in a, a bit longer, not, not much yeah, longer. Yeah. I think they're coming up just over a year. And it's just interesting to see these little places pop up around around the country. And yeah. it is, it is. It, do, you, do you see any parity with what happened with craft beer a few years ago, or is this a, a completely different trajectory? Do you think? I, th- I think. It, I think yeah. I think it's different. Are the same. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe not on this. I think it starts like. It's happened everywhere else, but not here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for some reasons, I don't know, I've got that uh, weird feeling that um, Britain can be not a backward, you know, like, you know, I'm not yeah. being that, but you like your own way, so yeah. uh, we see what happened. That's why we opened that as an experiment as well, to be honest, especially in a place like here. Yeah. People asking why it's not Manchester, why yeah. not Leeds. Yeah, yeah. It's like, but there's no reason to do it. Every, there's every, everything there. Uh, we need to bring new stuff to other people where they yeah. maybe don't want to travel there. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's going to be little steps. Uh, we'll grow, we'll grow, and mm. we'll be, we'll be, yeah, natural wine here will be new craft beer. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, maybe. I mean, I mean, craft beer has become, the reason I say that is because I remember sort of seven or eight years ago, this is finding a little spot like this that sort of had a few taps. Of, of craft beer was, was, mm-hmm. was exciting, and, but um, the, what I have learned from my own experience with, with wine is how different wine is to to, to beer. That there's a lot of parity, but there's a lot of differences. Mm-hmm. One thing that interests me, though, you know, because you do feel like an anomaly in this town, but in a good way. Yeah. Because I was in the Sportsman uh, last night, and I met John, the landlord, and he. You know, they had all those hampers, and I'm like, what's your throughput like? It's like, oh, 50% of everything over the bar is cask. And I'm like, even in London, I don't think we have pubs that, that just sell that much cask. You know, mm-hmm. we grow 18 handfuls, and that would, in, in London that would be unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is a, a cask beer town, it's, it's Yorkshire. So how do you think you will uh, integrate into town? How do you, I mean, probably those... You know, the typical Yorkshireman flat cap, bitter drinker, <laughs> probably isn't going to come in here for a glass of pet nap, but, okay. but how do you, and that's fine, but how do you sort of engage with the people that should be uh, coming in here? I would say, like, I would never, I, I never focus on integrating. I was thinking, um, not in a, a cocky way, like, I, mm. I do what I feel. Yeah. and we'll see how people respond and I think this is kind of new, this is a bit um, new and a bit different and uh, I think people need to like a kind of fresh vibe yeah. and uh, as a people describe and I think this is like my European uh, roots kind of influence really this place um, as I'm from, from Poland mm-hmm. and, um, and this vibe kind of I'm bringing here uh, even if we 
we went to the Paris two weeks ago and we did research, of course, uh, yeah. in the places. Where did you, know? you go in Paris? Uh, La, Be- uh, La Bouvette. La Bouvette. And, uh, I'm really horrible with names. So <laughs> you probably uh, know. I, just, he's the, La Bouvette was the main wine place that we went. And yeah, then, I've never been, but I've heard, obviously, how wonderful it is. Yeah, yeah like a very, yeah, uh, quite a, not an unusual setup, so no music. An open kitchen serving cold plates, yeah. and you have to order food to order wine because they don't have a license. Okay, so there's maybe, <laughs> but it works. Yeah. There's maybe too many, full. maybe too, not too many bars there, but a lot of other places have that have that element to it as well. Yeah. So he was like serving up like just white white beans with grated lemon zest, sugar, not sugar, salt, and oil, and that was it on a dish, and you picked it out like olives, mm-hmm. and that was it. And then he was serving like eggs rolled in like smoked smoked uh, and pickles yeah pickles is the next uh, thing so we're gonna do that as a comment from the pickle background pickle background <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, um, there's a couple that there was like uh, yeah I'm, I'm really rubbish with names of, of, of where, we, where we went to we, we went to a few places and I was like made me feel confident to mm. be honest I was yeah. like this is in Paris and and we brought that through the film. Like yeah. very, I'm not saying it's similar, but it's like kind of the vibe, uh, European vibe, mm. which is super good now that Brexit's happening. <laughs> um, yeah. No, we, we say no, we say that, and uh, we do we kind of in a rebel way. Yeah. We want to bring the new vibe, and I think that's what people need. I don't know what people need. I think that my people need that. Mm. And uh, that's, that's, I think, they will kind of get it. Mm. and integrated like naturally mm. uh, with us yeah that's natural wine is, is inherently rebellious isn't it like if you look at the australian winemakers down in the yarra valley who yeah. rebelled against 15 percent shiraz mm-hmm. and, and um and it's happening in california and, and it, in, in europe it's different because the french will say well this is just how we've always made wine yeah, yeah. exactly and but, italy is, yeah. yeah but in a way that's rebellion because it's like we don't we won't conform to your mass production is, is we're just making it how we mm-hmm. But movements that in France so, mm. uh, years ago, uh, it's just just saying, I think this is a movement like uh, uh, many others is against a massive production and mm. say, oh, listen, we can do amazing product, cheap product, because cheapware is made. And why would you drink that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like we have to push those things. Once you're convinced, it's, you know, once you've, you, you, you know, it took me a little while to understand natural wine. I've, I've always found wine more challenging. Beer is, was very immediate, but beer was always something that was there. And yeah. wine involved investing myself into it. The most important thing I've learned about natural wine is it's not all basically sour and funky. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. that's a great way to get someone into beer, into wine, yeah. but it's, it's not really what it's yeah, about. Yeah, I categorise it? as a safe stuff. Yeah. We've got some safe stuff for entry people. level. Entry yeah. level. <laughs> yeah, they'd be surprised that like yeah. pe- people would be first time I had a skin contact Georgian wine, I, I couldn't drink it. And now oh, wow. now now I can't get enough of it. Yeah, some people <laughs> some people can't yeah, so it's uh, it's a lo- it's a love hate thing for yeah. for, for, for yeah, some people. But many beer drinkers, you'll be surprised as oh I only drink beer, I was like, try this mm-hmm. and Beer drinkers literally like orange wine. Yeah. Because it's, I don't know, maybe the, the, the line is gonna, you know, 
but out soon about and they're gonna kind of be on the same level yeah uh, which I hope well, with craft beer and uh, funky wine mm. and it will be doesn't matter oh today I can drink wine today I love yeah. that's that, that's me it's like do what do I want do I want I can go to this beer bar I can, mm. uh, I can go to this pub have an amazing pint of cask I can go and have some American IPA uh, I can or I can have some amazing cider or I can go and get an amazing Negroni at this cocktail bar, or I can go and have a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. Actually, what I'm seeing now in London is the new bars will uh, have um, uh, all of it. Mm. You know, yeah. uh, Red Hand, which just opened in, in London, uh, is, is ostensibly a beer bar. It has 20 taps. It's the same, it's um, Graceland is the company. They have the King's Arms, the Axe, oh, yeah. uh, Earl of Essex, a great pub. So the new bar, it's very American. And it's just a big dark room. Mm -hmm. They like metal, so it's like <laughs> it's it's kind of theme like that. And when I say metal, I mean like desert, stoner, doom, which is it's a perfect aesthetic. <laughs> uh, and you go and you, they have like Augustina. They have some like hazy juice. They have Negroni and espresso martinis on tap. Mm -hmm. uh, they have shots of Fernet behind the bar. Then they have a wine list, and they have you know, regular wine and then it's like here's a natural wine bottles and they've got stuff like Costa Dia and I ordered a bottle of it um, and just to share we were drinking beer and I was like let's share a bottle of this and I was with a couple of beer people who were just like holy shit this is like I'm I can taste things in this that I like in my beer yeah. Yeah. and that's just really interesting to see that like to see these worlds coming together. Yeah there's there's a there's definitely a big a big crossover from it. I mean this is going back to one of the reasons for an original setup was our meeting in the middle really from my beer background and, and your love of wine really and then we met we found mm. some bits in the middle which were quite unusual yeah wines that like, i'm not i can't really drink heavy red to anything like that mm. and then you hear more of the heavy red side and then i'm going for the lighter lighter yeah. reds or the other other the sort of yeah the, the glue glue yeah the orange wines yeah. and, and just a, 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 it was a happy medium really wasn't it mm. to find something yeah, uh, I actually think it's easier to get someone who's really into beer into wine like that. My 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 dad loves his wine, but he likes big like Californian reds. And uh, I took him. We were in um, we were in Berkeley, California, and we went to Brock Sellers and Donkey and Goat. Donkey and Goat. He, he managed to find a wine he liked. But in Brock Sellers, they were all light, acidic, mm. and he he's like he wanted something with bold tannins and stuff. That was a really interesting experience. I haven't convinced. My dad about natural wine. I bought, no. him bottle, bought him a bottle of Patrick Sullivan. He took one taste and said, I don't like it. So I had to drink the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about this wine we're drinking. So it's yeah. from, from Spain. It's a, it's a red petnat. Mm -hmm. Juicy petnat, yeah. Vinius Tortuga. Vinius Tortuga. Mm -hmm. Our, our, our accent is really bad. Um, so they're on the seaside. Um, and it, apparently they have turtles. That's what they, I heard. They help turtles. <laughs> originally, originally, from, originally, originally from Amsterdam. Um, yes, but they moved to, they, uh, they buy some uh, land and they start. Mm -hmm. so the they, young people. They're the young, young, beautiful, blonde, yeah. blonde people from, from Amsterdam. They look like, they're not brother and sister. I don't know, don't say to No. <laughs> <laughs> but this is their first, this is their first, 
batch Yeah, when we tried those ones, there was no yeah. labels on No the labels, there was no design, remember, it's just a little raw wine And I love this as well, the uh, Hurdy Gurdy Hurdy Gurdy Hurdy Gurdy and Honky Tonky, I think It, is, yeah. it yeah. is proper breakfast wine, it's not complex It's no. just yeah. like juicy, a little bit of acid, yeah, a little bit of bubbles sort of pink, pink grapefruit sort of vibe to it Yeah, uh, yeah it's great uh, It's like a ready-made mimosa Yeah, yeah that's, that's, a good, that's a good description So <laughs> 12% um, and they've just got a rosé, so this is the pet nut version, but there's a rosé as well, so mm-hmm. probably like a, well not a flat version, but yeah. yeah. Flat uh, version. A flat version, version. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't like saying stuff In a good way. Because that's beer. a beer, beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's yeah. bad in beer. So they're uh, on, on Instagram and, and Twitter, I think they're like, go under the uh, name of Grape, Grape Hunters. So mm. Yeah, Grape Hunters. Oh, it's one of them. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's those guys. Yeah. Uh, so they, I don't know why they didn't really put their full name as it, but... That's very natural wine, like... The, like use something else, yeah. <laughs> When you, when you the grapes in, are our brains. <laughs> when you search for wine, uh, the wines is coming a lot of different uh, sugars. That's why they have to go for... Uh, that's what I just... Yeah, there's no grape. Okay. This is just a field blend of whatever they get, I imagine. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And they're just um, very new. So through through Atrospedas, uh, one of our sort of Spanish suppliers, Spanish Catalan suppliers who mm-hmm. sort of work with us Kind of, kind of from the start. Fernando. Fernando's amazing. He's a good, he's a good guy. Yeah. Um. So him and Al from under the bonnet. It was it was Catalonian natural wine that made me go, wow. Yeah. And it's mm. a bottle of Partida Creus I had. You know, I'd never heard of Sumol, the grape variety. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the hell is this? this mm-hmm. is, had these all these cidery barnyard notes, but then it was co- complex and structured. But also, I could just drink. I just didn't want to stop drinking. Yeah. Yeah. When it, yeah, yes, that was yesterday, the day before we yeah. met. Yeah. Yeah, give him a little try of no, some right. stuff as well. Mm. We've, 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 been, we've been very surprised by, <laughs> by those <laughs> breakfast juice kicking in. Yeah. Um, we've been very surprised by all, all of those and, and, the, and the check wires we've been getting in again with great varieties that aren't not. And hybrids. Yeah, that we aren't used to. and But we've been blown away by those and like. We try and keep a good stock of rotating Spanish and Czech, and mm. then at first when we opened it was not predominantly French, but fifty percent French was, was our stock really, yeah. wasn't it? Yes. By, acci- by accident, really. Yeah. And then now it's. We move on. With I don't know what the main thing here is really. Still what, French. What, Czech, French, French. What's it, selling really well for you? What 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 are people asking for? What people asking for? This is a hard question, you know. People asking me Excuse for, me. especially because those are wines uh, most of people completely don't know yet. And they're like, wow, this is interesting. And then I try to help them uh, what they like. So it doesn't matter if it's like more French. It's, it's about trying to kind of match with their taste, mm-hmm. uh, which I kind of did well so far, nobody complained really, <laughs> um, as I know. Um, so the most we're selling is probably the most we like, as it's easy to sell yeah. because we're excited about it. Yeah. Uh, we sell quite a lot of uh, Spanish wine, uh, uh, in English wine, it goes really well as it's very rare. Yeah, um, well we, we were just before we started recording we were talking about English wine, weren't we? Now see so you've got the, the tilling in. Yeah, which is that they're like they're incredibly popular. 
Yeah, and there's only small. Uh, how many bottles did you? Uh, not not many. We only allowed the box, and whatever website you go on is like sorry, it's one bottle per customer. Yeah. yeah. So we we do that same here. So one for us. And one for customer, one for us. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to get one to get one. The white, <laughs> the the white is to become more and more uh, available, accessible. Yeah. accessible. So mm-hmm. the white will be not not in it's not, blend. not in a mass produced way, but he's going to produce that all the time. So yeah. the, the yeah. white will be his standard yeah. thing. And so it's around twenty quid, so it's very affordable. Yeah, as well. because yeah. we found like we we got the coal. And they, they use quite this feathery. Uh, they, 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 I think all their wine is ground wine. Is uh, no, no, I'm not sure if all of it is. So some the the ciders were, and there's some new quevries coming out. So I'm not sure if all, he does all of it in that. So he does mm-hmm. a bit in stainless. I see you've got the quevry cider, that powder palm. Have you tried it? Yeah, oh, it's yeah. just fantastic. it's mainly us that's drunk that. I, <laughs> I, I hosted a beer tasting recently, and I dropped that in the middle of the beer tasting, and didn't tell the people like. And they're like, mm-hmm. what is this? It's lambic? And like, no, no mm-hmm. it's cider. And they're like, I didn't think I liked cider. Yeah. Be- no, yeah. this is very likeable. This yeah. is so. Uh, yeah, it's nice good. It's good stuff. Nice. But like, yeah, some people are maybe a bit, not, not, not wary of a price, but £20 for a mm-hmm. bottle of cider, people are mm-hmm. like, why? Well, but probably because yeah, probably yeah. because there's there's less than a thousand bottles and yeah. and he's yeah and he's making it in the ground by hand so there's not there's not much of it available mm. but like um, we had some of the Davenport in when we first opened I, th- I think it's probably quite important for us to keep a sort of staple of English wines and so people mm-hmm. do ask they're not specifically going by country when they're asking say do you, have you got a good French or a good Spanish and, and like you said you, you ask them what the taste are and we find yeah, that the, the people are amazing and creative and I had uh, so many situations I remember this guy when he said oh do you know this uh, this wine where it's like smell really bad but tastes really good mm. I'm like yeah I was like give me one of those <laughs> I, I, I can't remember I had, an, I had an Italian wine recently and I opened it and it just smelled like almost like rotting uh, and then I tasted yeah. it and it was like strawberries and I'm like what's going on it doesn't make sense it, yeah so yeah. we have a cloud worker from Australia when my this description of this wine is a very bad public urinal <laughs> but it's delicious wine uh, but on the nose it's not so pleasant mm. I think with yeah with with your descriptions like oh that's not oh that's not going for for the definitive description has, has this been a barrier when interacting with customers who are new to it how do you overcome that's it, that the, reaction yeah well that, loosening it up and making it funny and say it smells yeah. like feet are you rhino and people yeah. are like laughing with laughing us and they love it and they try so we're, we're not going for the usual smells or the usual tests no, we, we're yeah. just sort of telling it how it is with yeah. sort of, just, it puts down the barriers really doesn't it yeah sometimes I, I had a situation where I was like, oh, this one is, mm, oh, yeah. And they were like, oh, I'll take this from the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's, it's, if you feel it, if you know it, and, and be natural about it. Yeah. Um, natural word is coming. Natural word comes yeah. about, no. Uh, be natural, spontaneous, and people will get it. I think that is really what's key to my enjoyment of natural wine is that interaction because it is quite intimidating because there's it, there's so much choice and it's, it's not like ordering a beer over the bar it's 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 mm-hmm. a lot more complicated and you know i was in 40 Maltby street having a glass of wine and i wanted to get a bottle to take away and i was like i'm interested in this and the lady who served me was just like oh this is great and this actually the, the this was a uh, 
he ended up using all the grapes in one batch because the frost hit him really hard and uh, it was this one called Salamander, I can't remember the name of the producer, mm-hmm. but it was, um, it, it was, it, she's like, actually we've got the next vintage where he had a really good harvest, but he made the same wine because it was like, it was a happy accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it was just, just seeing her light up and talk yeah, yeah. about this producer and talk about this wine, I'm like, there's hundreds of other wines on this list, but I, I want that because you're, Reaction is selling, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. That is that is that is that is something that makes uh, makes it great. You know, P. Franco in a great place where they're just whizzing mm-hmm. around that table, and you're just like, you just like, what's in my yeah. glass? I don't know. I had <laughs> yeah, I had cust- yeah, customers yesterday when an older man and lady um, they have a glass of wine, and she was really curious uh, what we're doing here, and I was explaining her, and she was like, so tell me uh, why these grapes are like that? Do you know all the grapes? And things like that. So I was uh, calmly explaining it. I was like in my zone, mm-hmm. and uh, and and the gentleman said, "Oh, stop it! She's not here to educate you." I was like, "Yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly why I'm here." <laughs> I hope you enjoyed hearing from Duncan and Ola, folks. We now go to our conversation with Carol Bone. Apologies for the background noise. This was recorded in a very busy pub, but I think you'll find it's worth bearing with. Enjoy. Thank Sorry. you for being interviewed, Carol. Um, we've had a nice afternoon drinking yeah. in some pubs, uh, and now we're eating a pickled egg. Yeah. Which which would you like the uh, the malt vinegar or the beetroot? No, I, sh- I would actually go with the malt vinegar one. Okay, <laughs> uh, it's all yours. I'm gonna have the beetroot. All right. Uh, I'm gonna put John some pepper. I'm not sure. I'm just gonna eat it like. Just this. eat it. Yeah. I'm like gonna <laughs> figure it pepper. out because I've got no clue actually. Pickled eggs are the lambic of England. Mm. Not really. <laughs> no. No. I would have soaked that up if you were just like said mm. yes. <laughs> Takes three years to make. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, Takes some time. First thing I have meant to ask you earlier. Um, how do I pronounce your surname correctly? Is it Bone. It's Bone. Yeah. You're quite close. <laughs> yeah. Bone. Cause, yeah, I, yeah. Because I, I said we say bone. But I guess when you say like right, when you say bone, like the bones in your arms, mm-hmm. bone, bone. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Um, so, what what brings you to the UK? Uh, why are you visiting at the moment? Well, there's a bit of a. First of all, it's, it's uh, one of our importers gave their its 40th anniversary, and they invited me to come over and uh, I'll be present with the party and, and the event that they throw around it. Which is very interesting because of course uh, I've not been to the UK uh, since uh, probably since I was 16. Oh, wow. <laughs> how, old, how old are you now? I'm 25 now. Okay. Right. Um, I visited with school London, like I visited London uh, once uh, with school and then afterwards uh, I visited uh, Scotland once with my father and my, well, my parents. If you visit Scotland with my father, you just visit all the distilleries, yeah. as, as many yeah. as possible. <laughs> uh, your father is Frank, Frank Byrne. My father is Frank, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, no, but the reason I come back now is, of course, uh, I see there's a lot of, uh, of our beers coming to the UK and uh, the, the, the interest in, in our beers clearly is growing because I see more and more beer go, our, of our beers going to, to the UK. So it just it, it makes me, of course, wonder, like, okay, yeah, that's nice to see, but like, uh, what's the beer culture like, and what is, uh, uh, how, why, why does it happen? Um, it, it's good that it happens, but I just want to, under, I want to understand what's going on. Yeah. 
expected. I, with the brewery, I, I, I at our brewery, I, I follow up on the whole export today, which is only just 30% of our sales today. Mm -hmm. 70%, so 70% of your beer is still sold? Still sold in, in Belgium, yeah. So just over 70% still Belgian uh, sales. Uh, so we're very specialized and focused on, 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 on Belgian customers. But um, the export is growing as well currently, and uh, with the fact that the UK sales are growing, uh, it just makes me wonder, like, okay, yeah, I see the interest growing, the sales are growing. What what's going on in the UK? And I hear about other other people making uh, or trying to make uh, lambic inspired beers, and then yeah, that, that, that interests me as well to go figure out like what's going on. I see different beer cultures in all countries that I'm visiting. Even just in Europe, every country has its own culture in beer. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm here to sort of absorb the culture and, uh, yeah. of course, also to visit customers and, and, and see what's going on. But also you have to absorb the, the, the culture because just one day spending, like today, spending yeah. uh, in, in pubs and, and taverns, it's, it's uh, already learning a lot just and, and, and interesting to see the influence from from other places, but also just seeing what's from here. You know? Yeah, it's very interesting to hear you say that because, uh, you know, uh, I've done the same. I've, I've gone to, to Belgium to uh, to absorb Belgian beer culture, which is, you know. And what I, what I learned is it's not all the same. You know, no. what you do in the Zena Valley is very different to to what they do in, in Brussels, and, and you know what they do down in uh, the Walloon region. It's, it's all very yeah. different. Um, uh, and hopefully, you've seen that the, the UK is it, well. You've been in London, and the UK is very. It is very different, but we're also very influenced by a lot of other cultures. You know, we've just been in a railway arts drinking yeah. New England IPA. Exactly. And, you know, that's you know influenced by the US. I have, yeah, exactly. I have more of an American feel. Yeah. Right there, but right now here. Now we're now we're drinking Hobson's Mild in the Cock yeah. Tavern, and exactly. we're, you're experiencing a very uh, a very uh, English. Yeah, beer experience. And actually, it feels more like for me, also, of course, it feels more at home because this is what I see more in Belgium too the type of bar, not with as many uh, draft lines or taps or, you know, for cost or kegs, but uh, the other bars are more American. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, you have two older brothers as well, don't you? Yeah. Um, and one of them is involved with the brewery and one of them is not. Yeah, so I have, I have two older, older brothers and one older sister. Okay. Uh, but uh, it's only my is old... Is she involved with the brewery? No, she's not involved. So it's just my, my brother Joss, who is six years older than I am. Mm -hmm. uh, and he runs actually, he actually runs a production, uh, it's all the planning and uh, if there is a construction in the brewery for, for, you know, for the production or whatever, that's, that's all his, his work. So uh, and I and I occupy my time with uh, all its sales and the bit of marketing that we do, which is not a lot, yeah. but uh, that and then uh, organization just in the offices and uh, IT and following up with logistics. So it's it's you know you wear many hats because of course we're running the breweries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and your father is he is he retired now? So he's uh, he's going to retire by the end of this year. So at the moment he's uh, passing on uh, lots of uh, different uh, aspects of. Everything that he's done. Mm -hmm. uh, Do you think he's going to be able to really retire? No, <laughs> no. Uh, you know, he, he actually. We always lived right next to the brewery, so we grew up uh, next to the brewery. You have to see it as look at it as a bit like uh, like a family farm, mm. and it's a family brewery, of course. 
but we, we the, the house is right attached to the brewery so I, I actually was able to walk out of my, my own bedroom in my pajamas walking to the brew house uh, without going so, outside so you grew right? up in Lambique and, and, and that right next to the brewery yeah exactly so I, I grew up there and with I knew I knew the times when everything was not as as, as shiny and, and, and bright looking as it was today. Today everything goes very well for Lambic beer, um, which is very happy with it. But we we know that you know uh, success is not an acquired thing. So uh, maybe at some point people lose interest in this type of beer. I hope not, but you know you never know. So uh, you have to be realistic about things as well. Um, but yeah, this is where we grew up, and uh, yeah, my father, well, he still lives next to the brewery yeah. <laughs> in the same yeah. house. Um, I live uh, two minutes away from the brewery today, but uh, yeah, no, I know he is gonna work uh, at least one one day a week still after he's retired because he wants to. Uh, he, he knows, of course, a, a lot about brewing, about lambic beer, technically, uh, scientifically. Um, he knows a lot about our our fooders and the large oak casks um, that we have. Technically, about the fooders themselves, the way you have to repair them, keep them. How many do you have? Uh, 161 fooders. 161. So that's how, uh, how, how much beer is that in hectoliters? Yeah, in overall? hectoliters in fooders, it's 21,000 hectoliters in fooders. Which is probably the most of any. No, it is. It is the largest. Yeah stock of lambic in the yeah. world. Yeah. Uh, we are the largest producer of traditional lambic beer. Mm -hmm. Like if you look uh, outside of Belgium, um, there are other producers that have that more popularity, that have more like a hype behind them. Uh, but are, if you're in Belgium, if you just visit Belgium, you go to a bar uh, and there's a goose, well, it's, it's goose wood. It's, yeah. it's our beer. It's there. That's what the Belgians are mostly drinking. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you were talking to me earlier about wanting to expand, and you're already you're already holding the largest stock of lambic beer in the world. So, what does expansion look like for for, for Bern, uh, and why do you want to keep expanding? Well, um, expanding is just a it's, it's, it sounds like a huge thing, but expanding. Well, right now we have actually set up a brewery so that we could make more lambic beer but that we can actually make we can brew a lot of lambic beer for one we're, we're not using the full capacity of our brew house today um, but it's not, that's not necessarily the point uh, because it means we have a lot of flexibility today we brew uh, 10 11 weeks uh, per year making a uh, 2000 hectoliters per week um, so the brewing window is still in in the winter and it's very short. Yeah, of course. We will only brew in the winter, of course, because uh, in the cold period, it has to be 10 degrees Celsius during the night and below. Mm -hmm. uh, that because that way, if it's if it's hotter during the night, you actually get a, a bacteria overgrowth, uh, and that's and then you get off flavors and so on. So that's that's pretty much the the, 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 the one of the things to look at with the temperature, but. Um, we expanded our stock of Lambic, so we actually, two years ago, we built a new uh, warehouse for fruiters. So we added 40 fruiters each, we ranging between 240 to 270 hectoliters each. Um, so that's 10,000 hectoliters of storage just in one warehouse. And then our three other warehouses together, also some 10, a bit more than 10,000 hectoliters of uh, storage of Lambic. But because of this, we can have a lot of older lambic, which is good because you need old lambic. You need you need a good stock of lambic to make a nice bottle of goes Because goes if you can add a lot of three-year-old lambic, it gives a lot of character. Uh, it gives a lot of depth to the beer, and that's what we what we want. What's what we need. 
Now, yeah, uh, it would be nice to expand a little bit more. Then we, can, we could get at a certain point where we're using every, everything of our equipment efficiently, uh, and it just it just adds to the quality. Because if you're if you're trying to make small batches of, of lambic beer, you can you can you can work in small small amounts, obviously. But um, at a certain point, you reach you reach a scale point where, for example, you can you, which is what we do today. You can go to your malter and you can say uh, you can you can ask to malt to your own specification because uh, you buy in bulk instead of small bags um, we buy hops in large amounts and we buy the hops uh, as flowers and we get them palletized so to make pallets but yeah we, we buy the hops themselves first to ensure that there's no twigs and stuff in the pallets. So, so you will you will not buy pelletized hops you will buy the whole flower hops exactly and then you'll send them to be yeah processed. we look at okay. Where they're growing and so on first before we buy them, so it's, yeah. it's a whole process. But we, we can we buy aged tops. So we recently we bought hops for the next five years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that we were set on that for the next five years, for example. But the 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 thing with with, with scale is that you can at a certain point, like right now, we're set up to make lambic beer at at a quality level that's never been attained before. Mm -hmm. um, we're always very focused on Audugeuse, on uh, our creek beers, our fruit beers, uh, but we don't, people will maybe not see from us uh, a lot of different fruit beers. We, we have cherries and raspberries, but we've not worked with grapes, we've not worked with anything else. We could, and we may, we may do it in the future, but the thing is, it's, it's also about innovation, right? Because quality is not just uh, uh, innovating and inventing something new with new ingredients and so on, it's, it's working with what you have and improving with the beer yeah. that you already make and trying to make it better and better each time. Yeah. And then you're innovating. Even though it may not seem like you're innovating because you're not making a new beer each time, it's always the same brand, but it's and you've, getting better. Um, you've worked with, uh, as well as working with other ingredients, you've worked with other brewers, you work with McKellar. Yeah. Uh, what, was, what was that experience like? Oh, uh, yeah. So with Mickler, so we make a, some Pretty much every year now, last couple of years, we've made a collab beer. Mm -hmm. uh, Is that always, uh, out of goods? It's always been out of goods so far. We're talking about some other stuff too. <laughs> yeah. At the moment, so because uh, we're installing some new installation for fruit uh, fermentation, and we talked about maybe some fruit in the future, but it's still uh, ideas at the moment. But no, it's it's actually a very. Uh, it's, you know, we email. I email with Mikkel. Mm -hmm. uh, on a regular basis and um, you know I just we just pitch ideas towards each other sometimes he comes up with an idea that's maybe a bit uh, like far-fetched for us when we say okay that's maybe we're gonna do but we can do it more like this and then you know we go back and forth and then mostly like the collab it comes down to we're making something that normally Bon wouldn't make because we think it just doesn't fit with the, the reputation that we have as how is the the, 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 the beer you make with Mikkel different to your normal what what is what is it what's yeah, different about so it? the the blends that we make would normally have something that's a bit more um, I'm not gonna say off but a um, bit more specific in a certain direction like like maybe a bit more challenging a bit more challenging yeah and probably more for the, the experienced goose drinker Mm -hmm. But like uh, the, the, one of the last uh, collabs was the, the vermouth collab where we had yes we had uh, one well I actually bought that's the fourth warehouse that we installed we had eight fooders there that contained a lot of uh, always contained the uh, vermouth wine in it. Mm -hmm. and 
if you put lambic in there, <laughs> we, we buy these scooters and it's, of course, we, it's a bit of a gamble sometimes because it's second hand and the agent says, yeah, 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 it's, it's used for red wine, it's all right. But you discover, okay, no, this was not used for red wine clearly. So it was clearly, by what we taste, it was used for vermouth. Um, and then, okay, yeah, the lambic we, we, that lambic we can blend with our regular goods, but only at like 20% or a little bit below. But you have to guess, but at the same time, it, it, it opens an opportunity because you can make goods that's maybe a bit more, uh, yeah, contains a little herbal flavors in this case. Yeah. And so with, with Mikler, we said, like, uh, for that collab, we said, okay, yeah, we're... Uh, we're going to do uh, we could we could do this and I sent them some some samples of the lambic and they tasted the samples and I was completely like oh yeah okay <laughs> he's completely convinced and so we just made the blend that way and then of course he makes it a label design and then and then we're off but the thing is if we we could do that with bo with under the bone brand as well we make perhaps maybe a, mo a mono blend for example of it yeah. but yeah. but with the Miguel blend certainly the last ones and the one that's right now in the pipeline it's we're doing stuff that's maybe not as much typical bone or the last one, the, the new one that will come up this summer actually, yeah, so we're actually going to taste, call it Vu American, mm -hmm. which means American taste. It's a bit of a wink and a nudge towards the American yeah. sours. We don't like the term sour as much, yeah. but so we call it Vu American. It's a, it's a typical bone gozen, but it's a little bit sharper, mm -hmm. more a little bit more acidic, but not as much, so very nice and balanced. Well, you see the late, but you know, we do it a little bit for the con controversy as well. Yeah, yeah. You like <laughs> you want people to talk about the beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's maybe it's uh, in this case maybe it's a bit more the artistic side. Like you know, you do something just to shock people a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Beer is gonna be great, of course, and it's gonna be not sharp like a sour beer. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be a vinegar. Yeah, it's gonna be nice and balanced, a little bit more sharp than our beers normally mm -hmm. are. But you have on the front label, you know, the typical Mikkeler guys, but their teeth are falling out while they're drinking beer. <laughs> you yeah. <know>? yeah. <laughs> and you've, you've worked with the um, American brewery in the past. You used to send uh, Creek to New Belgium to do a, yeah. a, a blend. Yeah. Uh, but now Udmiercel, I think, have that relationship with New Belgium. Yeah. But, uh, well, they might get the Lambic from... Yeah, from so the basically the... the, the um, the, the, we used to work with New Belgium. We have a good relationship with, with, with them since a long time. My father is actually uh, good friends with good friends with Kim Jordan and Peter Bukart, who used to work at New Belgium. And um, yeah, we actually used to make the the, 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 the transit on the creek, so we would send our, our cherry lambic to to them. And it's a very good beer. Yeah, and and it's a very it's a fantastic beer. I remember the first time we made it, it was actually is one. Of, it's actually one of the first collabs that was made this way. And, and mm. But uh, when, how old were you when your when your father first gave you a glass of Lambic? I, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> um, from what, what I what, when do you first remember trying? What's the first memory of Lambic for you? Because it it must have been like always at the we table. We actually at home we drank a beer called Lembics. Mm -hmm. Lembics it was a, a table beer that my father made in the early nineties. Um, it was a beer of two percent table beer, mm -hmm. um, and it was uh, made with young lambic mostly, and uh, that's what we drank at, at home at the table every every evening. He needs to bring that back. That would be really popular. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think yeah, that's something we could do maybe now today. But it's, we stopped making that because low alcohol beers back then, early nineties, actually wasn't that popular. <laughs> no, today maybe more, but um, but um, lambic, yeah, lamb lambic was probably my first real. The, uh, active memory of, mm. of lambic beer 
Um, but then I know that the first Nambic uh, I tasted must have been somewhere when I was three years old, because like, my father said I, he, he blended uh, Lambic into our, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, what you know, what babies eat? It's a fruit. Into, uh, your, like, into your baby food? Into yeah, your, yeah, yeah, okay. And they actually blended some lambic sometimes in there just to give us like a, a taste of it. And when we were young at the table, we have always drank beer at home, uh, eating uh, dinner in the evening. It was so, the same when I was growing. Very, yeah, very so, much so. so we would go drink lambics, or you'd go into the brewery and, and, and get a, fill a jug of lambic straight from one of the casks, and it was, that was what we drank. So very young lambic or a bit cooler lambic. And did you always want to work at the brewery when you were growing up? Well, um, yes and no. Somewhere, I think, in the back of my head, there was always this little voice, like the brewery. Yeah. Uh, and, and beer, and it's always been intriguing me. But at the same time, I'm, uh, I, I, I had a lot of ideas. Uh, wanted to be a doctor at a certain point. Uh, then uh, I actually I am I am pianist as well, so I play classical piano. Okay. Uh, and I played very actively when I was uh, between 12 and 16. And definitely, I, was, I I played about four or five hours of piano a day. Easily. My my neighbor is a concert pianist, and okay. he plays for about six hours a day. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because you have to. Because I used I, I played well, I still play today. It's uh, like you know more romantic uh, classical music. So it's like Rachmaninoff, Chopin, Beethoven, this. Uh, all, all the good ones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but at a, at a yeah. quite a quite a high level, and so the, the I, I studied I studied uh, music in the local uh, academy um, after school. Uh, I actually nine years of, of, of music uh, academy this way. Um, and at a certain point, I really wanted to do that, and then I decided finally, like, okay, no, it's not it's not worth to make it my job because I felt like it's more like something to, I, I have to do to to to. Yeah, to like meditate or, or, or you know, it's 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 not necessarily. If I would make it my job, it would feel too much like a job, <laughs> and then it would ruin the, the the fun and the the, the value that it has to play music. Um, and then I, wanted, I actually started a, a, a small business online, uh, making reviews of computer hardware, which took off a little bit, and uh, yeah. I actually made made a bit of money of that. I made a bit of money of that uh, at a monthly basis, and actually, uh, there I actually made a business plan to check out whether I could continue with that. Yeah. But at the same time, I was working at the brewery in the summers, in the weekends. I was active on festivals. I was, you know. And you said earlier when we were having a beer that you you, you did an internship at Chimay as well. Yeah. So that was that was already when I decided to work at the brewery. So. At a certain point, I think it was when I was 17, I told my father, so, so at some point, it was just in the morning, we are sitting at the, di- at the table and uh, I was getting ready to go to school and I just told him, like, yeah, I admit, I had, because I was thinking very actively about, you know, either doing more about computers or going more towards beer. And then I made an active decision, like, yeah, I want to, I want to do this, I want to continue in the brewery because my brother was there, I was already very active. He was, for him, it was always clear that he would work in the brewery. He was working since he was a little kid and, you know, driving around the forklift, you know, working and really following up what's going on. But uh, I, I still tell my father, like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I, I want to work at the brewery. And I was just reading his newspaper, drinking his coffee, and it was like, okay, that's good news. And I just continued reading his new pa- newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> Having met your father once, I, that sounds about this. Yeah, it sounds about, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> was there any pressure? On you to do it, or well, was it, is it? No, there was never any real pressure. Maybe my father tried to like convince me subtly, a little bit, like you know, uh, dropping some hints here and there, yeah, like yeah. you know, saying, uh, 
uh, if ever you're interested in working in the brewery, you know, uh, you know these kind of hints that it dropped. Um, but no, there was never any real pressure. If I said I wanted to just do my own thing, uh, it, maybe he wouldn't have been as as happy as today in that sense. But he would have been, you know, content and he would have been, you know, happy for me that I made my yeah. decisions. Just like you know, my my other brother and my other my sister are, are not working in the brewery and, and, and doing their thing. And they're also doing things in a, in a more uh, independent way. I mean, they're not, they're they're trying to realize that they're very, you know. Active in doing their their own things very specifically, and and um, is there any what's, what does the pressure feel like with with your father about to retire? Do you feel like it, it, is it quite a stressful time, or is it, are you are you looking forward to putting your own mark on the next few years in yeah. the brewery? Well, um, of course, uh, yeah. My my father and I and my brother. There is of course a generation difference. So when we talk about um, when we talk about the beer, we are very much in line in the sense of quality, taste profile, the idea of what a good goes or a creek should be like. We have very similar tastes, and of course, probably because our father educated us on that yeah. on that front. Um, but when it comes down to like design or, or and then I'm talking more from the marketing side or you know, design of, of bottles or design of labels and these kind of things, he's 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 got more of a 70s and, and 60s kind of idea or, or background. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, when he started, you know, I, I still hear the stories from people in town telling like, yeah, he was walking around his wooden uh, clumps and and and, and driving, uh, you know, pushing around a, a cart with wooden casks yeah. in town. And, you know, he's starting from scratch, literally. Yeah. Uh, in a very hippie mode. Yeah. <laughs> he was. He was a real hippie back then, uh, with long hair and everything. I can't imagine that. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 that's how it was in the, in the start. Actually. So he just started in in the seventies. Yeah, he when, started. When did, when did when did he start? He started start? officially in nineteen seventy five, but it was it was twenty one yeah. twenty one years old at that point. Yeah. And there was another brewery in the family. Uh, an uncle of my father who owned a, a local brewery. They made Kapal, mm-hmm. uh, which was a brewery in Mechtem in, in, in the area of Brussels. Um, but it was just a local brewery. Like there were many local breweries back then. It wasn't linked to Lambic, but uh, it was in the when my father was 16. He actually discovered Lambic um, through some friends who had a, a sort of a, let's call it a farm. My father to stay within the, the, the 60s mindset. My father went went in the summer to that farm, helping to pick apples. You know, do the harvests of beets, and uh, you know we made soap there and those kind of things from the you know from goat fat and those kind of things. That yeah, it's like okay, it was like living of nature and feeling this it's the time in the sum, in the summer like that. And at the, at the farm, they often went to Mr. Davids's uh, lambic blendery in Lembic to go find. Yeah some lambic and they had casks of lambic in the cellar at the farm and that's how my father actually discovered lambic and uh, he discovered uh, Mr. De Witz in lambic and uh, eventually in 1977 my father bought De Witz's location which is actually been his goal when he started in 1975 but uh, yeah that being said it's uh, now yeah my father my father he has more of that that's mindset still today. He's yeah. very you know he's also a very stubborn man in the sense that he just he, he has his idea and he goes forward forward with what he has as an idea. He's very scientific so he will not have an opinion until he does his research. But the stubbornness has definitely helped probably keeping this beer alive, keeping this beer style alive. 
um, he's got a good mindset on, and a very, he's very, very, very uh, knowledgeable about beer, but he's also smart on, on, the, on the business side strategically to make sure that he doesn't make any bad decision. I mean, you can be a very good brewer, but you're going to have no idea about, about how you put your beer in the market because I mean, you have to sell the beer to be able to invest in the beer. That's, of course, important as well. Uh, if, you can't, if you don't have the money, you can't improve the beer to, because you're not investing it. And that's what he has always been trying to do is invest because he wants to improve, but that means he had to sell the beer. Yes. And so yeah. it was also a, always a cycle, you know, and, and luckily for him, it was a positive cycle in the end because until 15 years ago, I can't say it's been easy. It was always you know, trying to survive. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you'd like to support the content we produce at Pellicle, please consider supporting us via Patreon. You can sign up by visiting patreon.com forward slash Mag. Please also consider leaving us a review in your podcast app of choice, as this will help more people find the show. Until next time, I've been your host, Matthew Curtis, and you've been listening to the Pellicle Podcast. Podcast.